I get a chance to speak at high schools to kids. And, and the thing I tell them is this, is like, in your life, you're going to have people around you. You're going to have either family members or friends or teachers or coaches. And they're going to, they're going to, they're going to say some amazing things about you. And they're going to tell you that you can do it and you're worth it. And, the, and I want you to take that little piece that they give you. And it's like equity, right? And it's like a little piggy bank in your heart. And you're going to keep putting it in there. Keep filling up that piggy bank. You know, keep filling up that piggy bank of what coach, whatever said to you, or, you know, the teacher here said to you, or how your parents treat. You're going to take all these little nuggets into your piggy banks, right? All your little nuggets, you're going to put it in there. And one day there's going to come a point in your life where you got to break that piggy bank, take all of that equity, all that money, and you got to go bet it on yourself. What is up, everybody? I am so excited to introduce to you our special guest for today. Um, Yia Vang is uh, on the, the podcast, and Yia is one of my favorite people in the world. He's also one of the most ubiquitous people in the world, which means you're going to find him freaking everywhere. I, uh, I turn on the TV, and he is there. He's got his show, Feral. I turn on Netflix and he is there on Top Chef. My wife gets Bon Appetit, a food magazine delivered to her. And who's on the cover of Bon Appetit? It's Yia Vang. You go into the Twin Cities and it's like, you, no matter where you go, Yia is there. Uh, Union Kitchen with different pop-up restaurants. He's got all kinds of different uh, food concepts that he's doing. You want to go and watch a Vikings game? He is there. You're going to go to the Minnesota State Fair. Yia is there. And uh, also in the podcasting world, um, yeah, I know you've been on a, a ton of different um, interviews, but you've also got your own show, uh, Munglish, which is incredible. I just, it seems like no matter where I go, I'm finding you. Now, I am so grateful to have you here. So I know that's a, that's a big, long setup, but man, thanks for being here. How you doing? I appreciate it, dude. Uh, good, man. I think I had to do all of that because you moved away from me. So it's my only way. It's like a little child. Being like, dad, look at me. Dad, dad. Uh, you know, like like your kids. Uh, and that was the only way that I can get you to pay attention to me, you know? So, you know, that's why I did all that. I'm just like, because you literally left to the other side of the country. You know? I left you. I left you. Yeah. Oh, we used well. to go grab lunch, talk about life, and then you left, and then this is the only way I can get your attention. <laughs> well, your your efforts are not in vain. I, I'm seeing you all over the place and couldn't be more excited for all of the things that you're doing. Um, obviously, I know you real well, but um, for those who are not as familiar, um, where is home for you, and what is kind of a, a day in the life or a day in the week for Yia Vang look like? Yeah. So home is uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota. Uh, I'm I'm in the Northeast neighborhood. Uh, it's you know real real fun little neighborhood. I just recently moved there. I hate moving. I hate moving. <laughs> moving. It's not like you picked up and went across the country or something. You know, like stuff like that. Remember that, Nick? When you oh that? yeah, yeah. Very familiar uh, with it. Yeah, and then uh, day in the life, man, dude. Honestly, uh, every day is different. Uh, Mondays and Tuesdays are my admin days. I do a lot of admin stuff uh, for what we you know for for the restaurants and stuff like that. Uh, and then it is, you know, I tell people, I tell people we're not in the food business, we're in the people business, mm. you know, and food happens to be a part of it. Um, but yeah, like that's, you know, I've been very, 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 very blessed to be, um, doing what we get to do. Uh, you know, I get to spend a lot of time, uh, working with different, uh, chefs and, you know, in, in our, in our restaurants and stuff like that. So it's just been, it's been really great. 
Yeah, absolutely. And you guys just recently acquired uh, a building, and you're you're building out your first like brick and mortar, more or less uh, permanent restaurant concept, yeah. right? So tell yeah, us a little so, bit about that. Yeah. So you know, you know, uh, one of the things I learned, uh, you know, developing in in the whole restaurant world is we have we have we have a restaurant called Union Bun Kitchen. And Union Monk Kitchen has two locations. It's it's at uh, Gray's Food Hall. It's a food hall in in, uh, in North Loop area. And then in Uptown, we have another location, our second location. But that one is um, majority of the time. That one also runs as our commissary kitchen, where we pump out all our food. We do catering. We do special events. We do offsite events. You know, and then we also have the state fair, which is you know you know Nick, you live here in Minnesota. You understand how big the vastness of the state fair. You know, uh, understanding the business end of the state fair, and you know, for 12 days this past season for the state fair, 12 days they had 1.8 million people come through. You know, so I mean, right there, you just have to kind of do the math. So we have a little star at the state fair. We have a few places in the sports stadium, one in Twin Stadium, Target Field, and one in the Viking Stadium. And so just kind of coordinating all that, you know, and and being. You know, kind of just uh, working with a lot of our chefs through those, you know, those different concepts they're doing, different ideas. Uh, so, yeah, so a lot of meetings, you know, uh, but my heart is cooking. Like, I, I love, that's what I love doing. That's a, that's kind of like my, um, my go-to. So if any time I can just, you know, roll up my sleeve and get in the kitchen and cook with everyone, that'd be, that gets to be really fun. But yeah, a lot of coordinating. And then we've been, I've been very blessed in the last few um years to be able to do a few media things so right now we're in filming season for our pbs show so you know so probably like two days a week i'm i'm filming somewhere uh for the next probably four four weeks so yeah so just have to put in the filming schedule in there so yeah which which show is that because i know you got a few yeah it's relish it's called relish so it's pbs here in minnesota uh and basically i travel around meeting different chefs or home cooks and we go into their house and they show me what they cook and how they cook it. And we, uh, kind of unravel the story of the foods that they make, you know, and you know, it's, uh, we're in technically we're in season number four, but they, they did a re like a reboot, a revamp of it where it's actual full length. So show instead of a small, like 10 minute vignette. So it's a full length show and it's been really, really fun. And some of the people that we have on our show that I host, like they're my good friends and it's awesome just to go kind of go to work and work with your friends a little bit. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, they're, they're amazing, amazing people. Love it. Yeah. I, I'm curious as you have your hand in so many different things, you know, did you, has, has this kind of just fallen in your lap and, and here's, let me unpack what I mean by that, you know, between the media, between the restaurants, you know, you're stretched in a lot of different directions. Did you originally start in maybe one lane and get really good at that? Or, you know, did just opportunities come up and you started going after those and, you, and you're just juggling multiple things at once? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I think uh, in the beginning, and I still think truly I am, is I'm a, I'm a cook at heart, you know? That's what I want to do. Like, I just love making food. Start fire, throw meat on fire. Like, basically, that's it. <laughs> That's, I love doing that. Like for me, it rejuvenates my soul. It's the simplicity of knowing how the fire and the ember work, you know, watching the crisp in the grill, you know, of, of the meats that are on there, the vegetables that you put on there, you know, learning how to, you know, how to be like, Hey, how do I, 
raise the grade, put the grade down, like learning how to just use fire as a, as a uh, very elemental way of cooking. I mean, like at the end of the day, like that's what I love. That's what I love doing, you know, but then in, in, as a part of that too is cooking from who you are. And we always talk about that in the restaurants, just cook from who you are. And I'm a monk kid, you know? So as a monk, as a monk kid, like I cook monk food and it, cause it's the food of, you know, my people, it's the food of my parents, it's the food of my heart. You know, and but like the Hmong people, not a lot of people know. So there's an educational process to it, you know, because if it's like, hey, man, we got a burger joint, we got a pizza joint, we got a pasta joint. You don't have to you don't have to sell that to people. You know, that, that that's like it's like, yeah, we get that. We get a pasta pizza. But when you say Hmong food, there's such a long line of history behind it, you know. And so I'm, I'm, I'm learning a lot of, you know, what that means. Yeah. Let's uh, let's talk a bit more about that. I love that uh, the food of my people, the food of my parents, the food of my heart. And so um, maybe let's get into your backstory and just uh, talk about growing up. Talk about the influence of your parents um, and talk mm-hmm. about what food means to you in the context of how you were raised and your family's story. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, the Hmong people are an indigenous uh, tribal people from the mountains of Laos, in northern Laos. And so, uh, back in the day, during the, during the Vietnam War, what happened was Laos, you know, became a very crucial part of, uh, you know, like, kind of that back in, like, that, uh, you know, that 60s, you know, time where it's like, hey, fight, fight, against the, um, fight against the communists, you know, there was kind of that idea, you know, of... Uh, of communism and you know how do we fight against communism and stuff like that and so what what happened was the Hmong people uh the, there was this war that happened in northern laos and they called it the secret war and what happened was uh um the cia and the u.s government came to the mountains of laos and said hey we need paramilitary tro- uh, paramilitary troops we need we need fighters to come up here and fight for us and they found these group of people up in the mountains called the Hmong people because the Hmong people they don't they're not laotian they're not thai they're not vietnamese they we're just a people group that live up there it, it was from um the, the migration from southern uh china to where it is in you know northern laos there and so there was a handshake deal that was made no matter what win lose or draw a lot of you know, like the, the, the U.S. said, hey, you guys can come and be citizens of our country if you fight for us. And so my my dad at age 12, along with his brothers, they all joined the fight. Wow. You know, so my dad and, and, and cousins and if, if, if you could hold a gun, point a gun and shoot, they took mm. you. You became soldiers. And so my father from age 12 to like 31, like he fought, you know, that's what he did. And um, and so eventually after the U.S. lost and they pulled out. The, uh, the government, the U.S. government pulled out and said, look, like we, you know, we don't know what we can do for you guys. So you guys have to fend for yourself. So the Hmong people had to escape Laos. So there was this long journey of escape. Um, there was about 300,000 Hmong people that lived in the mountains of Laos at that time. And about 60,000 of them were genocide by the Northern uh, Communist Party who came through after the U.S. pulled out. So when they lost support from the U.S., you know, the uh, Petai Lao uh, or the, uh, the they called the Red Lao, you know, group came through and genocide our people. And so we ended up in, uh, this, uh, in this refugee camp. So in 77, my mom and dad, they met in this refugee camp. They they escaped separately. They met in that refugee camp in, and in, in uh, Thailand and in 78, they got married and in 88, we left. And that camp was called Vinai, which is the name of the new uh, restaurant we're building. So mom always said that Vinai 
is not where our family ended, but it's actually where our family started. That's where our story started. Awesome. You know, my mom, uh, Vinay, I tell people that, that this restaurant in Vinay, there's, there's like, if you want to talk concept, I don't know how to explain concept, but the best way to explain it is it's a love letter to my mom and dad. It is the combination of a life that they lived for us unconditionally. And how do I express that of, of my love and my, my appreciation and my humbleness of their love is, um, everything that they've taught me, I want to channel it through this restaurant. So it's our, it's a, it's a love letter for me to them. Um, and yeah, so that's what we've been kind of focused on. I, I started cooking in a, like a little, like, uh, uh, like golf course, you know, when they have like I went to those kitchens at the golf course where it's like, they have like banquet dinners in there. So I start cooking there. I never wanted to be cooked. I, I hated cooking. I, I hated restaurant work, but it was just what I'm good at, you know? And, um, I tell people that it's kind of like when you, um, it's like when you're, when you're like, when you start dating this girl in high school and you start like, you know, you get like, you're like, Oh my gosh, I think we're in love. And then halfway through, you're like, I don't know. We're so many different people after you go to college and then you're back and forth. And then, you know, you, you see her again after, you know, after you're done with college and you worked a few years and you come back home for Christmas and you see her down at the, the, the downtown, like ice skating area. And you're like, what, you know, it's like, it's like a Hallmark movie. And then you start, you know, you, you start, you started everything back up again. And suddenly it's just like, Oh, we're so different now but it's like but we're so maybe we're in love and that's how it was me in restaurant world you know <laughs> and then eventually i was like i think i love you and here's a ring put a ring on it um and uh, i'm about almost 20 years into it you know starting from the yeah. first time i worked in a kitchen and i feel old saying that uh but yeah and then you know through it all just learning about like w what i love and what you know what i'm passionate about especially when it comes to all of that stuff you know what did you do for training in terms of just, you know, getting, uh, getting your skill in the, the kitchen? Mm -hmm. Was it all just uh, stuff that you, you learned growing up or did you actually get some culinary mm -hmm. training? What are some of the things that, that helped? Yeah. I never went to culinary school. You know, I never went to culinary school. I, um, I, I was joked with all my buddies who went to culinary school. I was just like, we had the school of hard knocks, man. You just, like, you just go out there and you pump it through. And, um, but the one thing I did was when I would go into different kitchens when I was young was I was quiet. Mm. You know, that's the first thing I was, doing. I was quiet and I listened and I observed, you know, and I just, you know, showed up every day. Um, it, um, it was one of those things too, that I realized, um, in, in college, I had a, I had a mentor in college and he always talked about, um, this idea of, uh, of being fat F A T right faithful, available, teachable. And, and that's what they, like, he, like, he taught me to do. He's just like, Hey man, wherever you are in life, just be, you know, just be faithful, available and teachable. So be faithful, show up, show up when you need, like when you're supposed to show up, be available, be open-minded, be available to just say, Hey, I'll take this on. I'll take the, and you know, um, and teachable learn, just learn from it, you know, learn from everything, just absorb, be a sponge. And that's what I did. And so when I first started, it wasn't like I made, mung, I didn't want to do mung food. It was like weird. It's like, oh, Asian food. No, you know, I, I, I worked in an Italian restaurant. I worked in a Tex-Mex restaurant. I worked in a, uh, I worked in a, like a French restaurant. I worked in a, uh, a barbecue place. I also hmm. worked in a middle, uh, we did like middle Eastern food. And I learned a lot about that stuff. Hmm. But when I started learning about all these food groups, I saw this connection that food isn't like, about one thing but but food is actually about connection it's about finding that connection between all the food because i believe that food is a universal language we can use to speak to each other mm -hmm. 
you know, that we don't have to actually know exactly the same kind of food, but we can just, uh, what we can do is we can teach each other through our food, mm. you know? And so, yeah. So once I started realizing that it started making sense to me and, and, and that's where I, I would, every time, uh, I try new foods or every time I go to a place where I just really am just enamored by the food, I just go, what's the connection? What's the link? Mm-hmm. What is this language that we're using here? You know, did on your journey, did it take you a while to realize that? And, and maybe a two part question to that is, you know, you talk about having showing up, being there when you don't want to be there. And you were going back and forth between, Hey, is this what I want this, my life to look like? Do I want to jump into this? What, I mean, what made you jump in? Were you showing up when you didn't want to? And what kept you going through that? Because I think a lot of our listeners and I think a lot of people are, you know, we, we, we talk about, you know, when you start, especially in entrepreneurship, there's the excitement and you're, you're worked up and you're, you're pumped mm-hmm. about this new adventure and opportunity. And then the wall hits you and you're like, oh, this is a lot more work than I thought mm-hmm. it was going to be. Yep. So for you, it sounds like you were still showing up and you were still grinding and being faithful, mm-hmm. even though you weren't sure that this was going to be the thing. So what kind of changed for you? Yeah, I think that first of all, like, um, I think the first thing I think about is this idea of like, I was too dumb to quit. Like I was just too dumb. I didn't, I didn't know, like, I didn't think about stuff like that. Like, Oh, I can quit. I didn't think quitting was an option. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, when we first started at pop-up, I mean, Nick, you were here for it. You know, mm-hmm. when we first started at our pop-up, I had no idea what we were doing. Again, I didn't know what a business plan was. I didn't know you could get <laughs> loans. I had $350 in my checking account. I said, Hey, I'm going to spend all this to buy food. We're going to do a first pop-up and I hope we can do about seven. Uh, I hope we can do about $400 in sales. Cause I need that 50 bucks for gas next week. Wow. And this was on, this was on a Friday, you know? And I'm like, I'm like, dude, I, I'm, I, there is no strategy for me. It was just like, let's just go. I'm, I'm kind of like a brute, like, man, you can find efficiencies. You can find great ways. Like, that's why we have people in, in our system that are great systems. People, they're all about that. I'm not dude. Like, but if you want, if you want, just want to like a dumb, you know, Ram that to run through a door, like I can do that. Like, you know, that's how, I mean, that's how it was for me in, in high school football and in, in college football, you know, like coach would be like, Hey, bang, uh, you see that 58, that's their biggest guy. Every play, I want you to hit him really hard. I'm like, okay, coach, I go hit him. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, Hey, bang, like we, we need you to block that guy. So then Nick, the running, you know, our running back is Nick, Nick can break it out. And then, you know, we, we can win this game. Like, okay, coach, tell me where to go. I go do that now. You know? And they're like, tap me in the hand. I'm like, good boy. I'm like, oh, God. like, okay, coach, can I go get water? He's like, go get water, buddy. <laughs> you know I mean? Like that was me. And that's still me in a way, you know, like, like, are you going to outwork me? No. Like, I'll, 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 like, I don't know. It's, I'm not trying to be cocky about this, but it's yeah. like, I'm going to outwork people. Like, I want right. to outwork people. That's just my thing. I get that from my father. I get that from my mother. You know, my mom and her group of uh, church ladies, like six of them, they made 23,000 dumplings, bows, gala bows, they're dumplings, 23,000. I'm not talking to little guys. I'm talking to guys like, like bigger than your fist for the uh, Minnesota State Fair. We sold 23,000 of them. Wow. You know, and like, let's just do the quick math, right? 23,000 at 12 bucks a piece. Like we can do the math on that, you know? So like, that's them. No quit on them. Like the, every day, they were about thousand, a thousand a day. They were going pumping it out 10 hours a day, no rest women in their seventies outworking every one of us, yeah. you know? And it's not like they were, you know, you know, I don't know, like vacationing, collecting seashells and stuff like that. They were like, no, we're going to do this. And when I told them that the number was going to be closer to 23,000, mom didn't blink. She's like, yeah, yeah, we'll do it. Don't worry. We got you. 
you know? And so it's like, dang, dude, like when you know where you come from, mm. where you, when you know who are the people that are behind you, you're unstoppable. Yeah. I look at my mom and dad, dude, and my dad at 70 something retire war hero doesn't really talk about the war much. Doesn't talk about the fact that he's a hero. I hear from other men about what he did in the war. I hear from other men who are proud that they would say, you should be proud to be his son because this is how he saved me. Mm. Dude, when, when you know where like that same blood yeah. that pumps through their hearts and their veins is the same blood that's inside of me, you know who you are, you know where you come from, man, I, like you're unstoppable. That's the biggest thing because I don't believe in this. And this sounds really bad, but I don't believe in this, like believe in yourself. Mm. I've seen myself at my lowest. Mm. Dude, to be honest, and you guys know, like, We've seen ourselves when we want to quit. We see, we've quit on ourselves. Mm-hmm. But when you live for something and someone beyond you, bigger than you, like, dude, you're unstoppable, man. Like, mm-hmm. m- mom would be around our kitchen and she's like pumping her. My mom and my aunt, they'll be doing different things. They're just like, you know, doing little projects. My parents have a 10 acre farm. They call it a garden, but it's a farm. And all the vegetables and all the produce that grows from them, they harvest it every year and they bring it to our kitchen. Hmm. You know, don't ask for a dime at all. Hmm. That's what they do. You know, so, so when you see that this is where I'm from, that that's my mother, that's my father, that's the lineage, that is the legacy that you stem from, it changed the way that you are inside. So it's no longer about me. It's no longer, oh, I live for, you know, I live for me and blah, blah, blah. No, 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 no. Or I do this for myself. No, 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 no. Because myself is a pretty small person. But when you see that there's greatness that you are a part of, it changes everything. And so that's for me, man. Like, that was what really changed me. It took my father to be on his deathbed uh, at work accident. You know, he was on his deathbed for me to realize that. For me to realize that that my life is an echo of them. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, and, and, and. You know, there's just, my mom told me this uh, a few months ago. She said, yeah, when, um, when we, the day that we were going to come to America, that night, we were going to get on the plane, come to America. I was born already, my little brother, my little sister, you know, and, and then my little, my youngest brother was in, in so my mom's belly. She, she was pregnant. And she said, she said, your dad were, was looking at you and your older brother, you know, Peter. And he said, he looked at me and he said, I want to go to a country where my children can be free to write their own destiny. Hmm. And, and he took it, man. Like he came here, he worked low end jobs. He took us, got us through school, you know, went to college and, you know, and, 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 and when he graduated, when we, when, when he retired, he didn't make more than 40, maybe 42,000 a year. Mm-hmm. Never quit every day. He hustled, he grind, he never quit. And he was still a great dad too. It wasn't like he worked all the time. No, he spent time with us, you know? And, and I, and that's where I come from, you know, everything that's good about me comes from him, you know, uh, my personality, who I am, I get that from him, you know? And so when I realize that and I see that some of my heart is mom and some of my heart is dad. Yeah, man. Like days where you don't want to get up and you're like, dude, come on. Why can't today be easier? It's like, it's not supposed to be easier, mm-hmm. but get up, yeah. you know? I mean, the, I mean, the thing is too, is just like, you know, my mom, she would call and we, we talk about stuff or whatever and get updates and you know, they don't live that far from here for me. They're like 25 minutes, 30 minutes from me. And if we don't get to see each other at the kitchen, she'll just, you know, call. And after we're done, she'll be like, can I just pray for you? 
And just to know that like there's a mother out there ferociously praying for you constantly and yeah. everything you do, again, man, it changes the way you look at life because yeah. it's no longer yours, you know? I really love that. And that obviously, like it brings together, uh, adds a lot of depth to uh, what you were saying about Vinai, the restaurant you're um, in the process of, of opening up right now and that being a, a love letter uh, to mom and dad, mm -hmm. given... Um, everything that they've done. And yeah, having that story so deeply ingrained in who you are of everything that your parents uh, went through, your dad at 12 years old, going to war and fighting, like just having yeah. that kind of perspective, I, I imagine that does help a ton when the days are hard, when the work sucks, when it feels like you're, you're not making any progress to be able to step back and realize like, hey, uh, I come from a story of people overcoming really hard, really mm -hmm. challenging things. So, you know, let's, let's keep grinding. Let's keep going. Mm -hmm. I, uh, the, the restaurant industry is particularly difficult as an entrepreneur. Uh, at least that's what I've heard. Yeah. I'm not a, a restaurateur. Oh, it's horrible. It's, it's a, it's a dumb idea. Don't ever get into it. You know, when I see people go, Hey, yeah, people are like, hey, I want to have a restaurant. I want to start a food truck. I'm like, nope, nope, nope. <laughs> Work your corporate job, dude. It's do not go to restaurants, please. Support local. Yes, go to restaurants. But do not, do not do this. And as a banker, I uh I second that. <laughs> oh, bro, I've I've talked to many of your people, yeah, to get funding. <laughs> yes. You guys have great hearts, but when, when I show you the pro forma, you're like, ah yeah, about that. <laughs> yeah. So you pat me on the head. Yeah, I get a pat on the head. It goes, "Oh, little buddy, little buddy." It's like, it's like I'm like, I don't know. If you guys have kids, but I know uh, Nick A. You have kids, you know. Yeah. So it's just like you're watching your kid put that like round peg in a square <laughs> hole or whatever. You're like, ah, ah, ah. and you're like, "Oh, little buddy, you're trying so hard." I feel like that's what the bankers say to me. They're like, "Oh man, your little buddy trying hard, aren't you?" I'm like, "I can do this." <laughs> it's got to be so yeah. weird though, man, because you probably walk into some of those meetings. And the banker's like, hey, I saw you on Netflix and Top Chef. Oh, that yeah, was so yeah, cool. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah. you know, so you got like this great reputation and you're all over yeah. the place. But then when you actually start to dive into and it's not particular yeah. to you, it's just the restaurant no, industry. It's, it's incredibly difficult. It's the risk assessment. Yes. And, you know, I think it's like this. I've learned this and it's just, I'm a single dude. So it's like going on going on first dates, man. That's all it is. It's we're going on first dates. I walk in, hey, like chit chatting about life. Like, oh, what do you do? Blah, blah, blah. You know, and they're like, oh, I saw you on this. You're like, oh, ha, ha, ha. You know, and you, you, you connect, you know. And then after you're done, you're like, I don't know if I'm going to get a call back or not. You know, it's literally going on first dates. That's what I've learned with, you know, working with bankers and going to different banks for loans or SBA loans or anything. It's like, literally, that's what it is. It's like, man, my heart's been hurt so many times. It's just numb to this stuff. It's just, you know. It's just, you know, it's just like eventually someone's going to bite, right? Eventually there's got to be a bank out there that's going to bite, you know? But yeah, we've, we've been, I've been through a lot of those bank meetings, man. And, um, you know, I get it. I do get it, you know? Um, I don't know if it's going on dates or a bank meeting when I start saying, just take a chance on me. Just take a chance on me. I'm not sure which one it was because they're, because first dates and bank meetings are all kind of the same these days to me, you know? <laughs> so I'm like, did I say that to a girl or she was the banker guy <laughs> yeah. in Northeast? I wasn't sure. Just take a chance on me. Why won't you? <laughs> Tinder needs to create a spinoff for uh, entrepreneurs, you know? <laughs> you can yeah. create your, your profile and just hope for the right banker yeah. that's going to swipe right yeah. on you. 
yes, all the dating apps. There should be like there should be like a like a small business dating app, you know, loan app. Where we do that's what it is. The bankers would go in and they're like swipe, swipe. Ooh, no idea. Okay, do we match? You know? Yeah, right. Exactly. Oh. That, that we could call it Nickelback, you know. <laughs> yeah, you guys started yeah, calling Nickelback. Uh, like, like, we're giving you a call back, so it's a Nickelback, <laughs> you know. Guys, guys, what are we what, doing? What, if we don't start it, somebody in our audience is going to. One of our uh, one of our yeah. entrepreneur oh listeners God. are gonna. Their 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 lights are flashing right now. Yeah, but they're like, they, wait, I got it. If they brand it Nickelback, though, they owe at least yeah, if not all yeah. three of us royalty. That's right. That, that's well, it's, pure it's genius your names, right there. Your name, so so it's only proper that you guys get a little percentage, you know, a little bit. But that's uh, that's your intellectual property, man. You you, you came no, up with no, that no, idea. No, no, no. I'll let you guys have it. It's your name, yeah. All right, we'll come up with the agreement after the the show. That's that's good. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Uh, so, I mean, certainly financing is a, a challenge. Um, you've grown. I mean, you've mentioned me being there at the the first pop up that you did. It's funny. Yeah, a little, yeah. little bit of background. Like I met you um, when I was attending Bethlehem College and Seminary. You were at Bethlehem, and Bethlehem had hired you to be like the. The chef, the lunch lady. The, yeah. no, 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 no. That's not for the word chef there. All right, all right. That was the kitchen coordinator, the, kitchen the coordinator. downtown campus kitchen coordinator. That's right. And it's you're 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 a lunch lady. That's what you are. But I would come down after class and you know pay my five bucks, and then all of a yeah. sudden I was having the freaking best lunch imaginable. I had no idea how the heck you were doing it. And from the very first time that I ate it, I was like, oh yeah, he's, he's not going to be here very long. And, uh, and then I remember, yeah, you were, I mean, the, the original pop-ups were like uh, a tent that I think you, a uh, canopy that you'd borrowed and just a grill. Yeah, yeah. And then I don't even know yeah. if you had like what, a little basic square processing thing and give people their, their plate yeah. of food. Basically. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, you've grown it a tremendous amount since then and in a relatively short time. I mean, that's been what, 10 years ish. Um, from, uh, yeah, yeah. Something like that. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So yeah. officially, I think Union Monk Kitchen were officially we're in February would be seven years. Yeah. On wow. LLC paper, but you know, you know what I'm saying, you know, we had to do some stuff if you know what I'm saying before, uh huh. You know, yeah, cash yeah. only, baby. Cash green only. is, you know, green, green is gold, <laughs> we call it. Green is gold. <laughs> so, yeah, talk to us just kind of about the the milestones, the um, you yeah. know, what, what that was like to to go from just like this, it's just you to actually bringing people in mm -hmm. on the team and then to turning this into like a real brand where you've got serious recognition. I mean, I didn't mention it in my uh, long winded introduction to you, but like not only have you won a bunch of um, local and regional awards for top restaurant, top chef, uh, but you've been nominated for the you know freaking Academy Awards of, uh, of chef world with the, the James Beard stuff. I mean, you've got a huge profile as a chef throughout the United States. And so, mm -hmm. um, talk to us. Uh, I, I didn't know you're very like, uh, self-deprecating and, and talking about, <laughs> you know, running through walls and, and whatnot. But the reality is like, um, you've become a very well-known, very successful chef. And I'm really curious, just, uh, as you reflect on the process, what the big milestones were along the way. Yeah. Thanks, man. Uh, you're too kind, dude. Um, you know, 
I, I think that sometimes I don't look at milestones because it, it makes me, I, I feel like this is my own thoughts. I feel like sometimes milestone makes me stop too much. Mm. And so I don't look at milestones. So sure. again, like I, I still feel like a brute, like it's like, okay, let's just go. Let's just go. I think that there's, that's my, I have faults in that while our, our team would like to understand and look at some of our milestones. I'm like, we don't got time to look for milestones <laughs> and we got to get going. And I really learned that, you know, when you work with the team, it's different, right? Because like I get to, cause I live in my head. So I get to see like, this is the vision. This is what we're trying to do. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, so I'm constantly going, why are we freaking stopping here? Looking at the scenery when we got to keep going. Mm-hmm. But I understand how important that is, you know? So I would even looking back, I think looking back, I see some really great milestones. Like I think first of all, I started with uh, Mecca boss. She's a food writer and she, you know, took a chance on us and, and wrote this really great story right before we started the pop-up to, you know, to get some hype. And then from there, uh, I think that we were able to, um, you know, just start really small, like, you know, instead of going, okay, we're going to find all these investors and we're going to do this. We're going to do this. No, it's like, no, man, we like literally hopped from parking lot to parking lot, did little, little pop-ups, you know, took, uh, took whatever we can, you know, a glean from the land, you know, um, it's really, um, what's that, uh, Matt Damon and, uh, um, Matt Damon and, uh, what's his name? Uh, Ben Affleck, a movie about air Jordans, you know, air, is it air? Yeah. 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 You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I do. And, and they talk and, and Nike has their top, like their 10 things, you know, the Nike, the list and the Nikes, they yeah. have like their 10 things. And my buddy and I, we actually in a funny way, but in a serious way, he owns a, a coffee roasting company. We actually just sometimes we'll text each other some of those, like, you know, some of those points, you know, and one of it is like be lean, like, you know, like take from the land and be lean. And I, and that was like one of the mentality we had, I, you know, growing up doing this was like, it's not like, Hey man, I can't do this. Cause I don't have a $400 Vitamix machine. It's like, no nah, man, like you, 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 you chop it with knives or whatever, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So we always said that we all, every time we went to, an, to a kitchen to take over, we look at that kitchen and we're like, okay, what do they have here? And how do we create a menu around it? It wasn't that we created a menu and said, this is the menu we're going to do. We had to, you know, we had to be able to shoot from the hips, you know, we talk about, uh, I talk about this idea of running and gunning, you know, like. I love football, grew up playing football, but I love it when you watch your, the quarterback roll out, you know, and he either has, you know, the, uh, the, the bootleg and then he has the fake, the fake handoff where it's like, okay, but, but if the, if, but if the run is open, he le- lets the ball go. So he has the option there. He knows his one receiver, his two receiver and his check down receivers. He knows who those are, but you know that your quarterback is good enough too, because if, you know, cause if you drop your corners to, to, to cover the receivers, now you open a gap and then, you know, and then as a quarterback, you can run. So I've always wanted, tell our guys like our, our chefs like we got to be able to run and gun that's mm-hmm. our game and we're going to be freaking good at mm-hmm. it you know and so so sometimes it's like hey we're out here doing a farm dinner and you know what um um you know what we're out here doing a farm dinner and there's no water okay let's go let, let's make sure that we bring like buckets of water out there oh we're out here doing farm dinner and the only thing we have for, uh, element of fire is this grill okay make sure that we have everything prepped so then that grill is hot and we get going and we just hot off the grill right there you know, and, and, and it's just, sometimes you, you, you janky things together, um, you know, things break down. Um, and so one of the, the milestones I thought about was like our ability to do that really well, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. I was, um, and, and, and just to understand that that's who we are. Like we lean into our strengths, you know, are we going to be that, that restaurant that has the beautiful plating and has all the bougie little flowers on there and people are going to be like, oh my gosh, this is a Michelin star place. Like probably not. And I'm okay. We're okay with that. You know, are we going to be a restaurant that's going to have like the most incredible service ever? We're going to try our best, you know, but sometimes when you hire people who don't know anything that you're teaching and you're training, it's not going to be, it's not going to be perfect right away, mm-hmm. you know? 
Um, I think, and then another milestone I think for, for us is the media stuff. Like when that started, you know, kind of going, um, it was, it was very good. It, it really helped promote the restaurant. It, it helped, you know, we were able to tell our stories a little more. Uh, but yeah, I mean, and then, yeah, I think like the stuff with like some of the awards here being named, whatever, and, you know, and stuff like that, that's, that's been really great. And to look back and I always talk about how it isn't my award, but it is it is ours it is theirs. It is the team that's here. You know, so I th- I, yeah. and, and I think that Nick, I, I love I love the answer there. I think Nick's going to make you go back to some of the media stuff. I know he's got some questions around <laughs> that, which is which is awesome. But I want to camp just for a minute here. You know, one of the things you talked about is, you know, the rolling gun. And I think another way to say that is just being agile and flexible. And I've it's it's yep. it's interesting you bring that up again from a banker's perspective living through mm-hmm. what we've lived in the last couple of years with economic things, shutdowns, all of that stuff. I've gotten an opportunity to sit in front of so many different business owners and the ones that mm-hmm. have that agility, flexibility, willing willingness to pivot at a, a moment's notice. Those are the one, that's the businesses that thrive and continue. But two, I think it's the ones that have the greatest opportunity because they're willing mm-hmm. to to not stick with the same old thing they've always done. So I think one that's really important to point out, but I'm also curious in that, you know, you've just kind of talked about the milestones. You've talked about the journey here and there was, there's the chef side, there's the the cooking side, but also, I mean, you have to, you're, you've got a journey here in, in business ownership. You know, you said when you got started, you didn't know you could get loans. You didn't know, you know, mm-hmm. what a business plan was. What are some mm-hmm. of the other things that you've had to learn on the business side? What are some mm-hmm. of maybe the other, um, the other growing things that have really helped expand this business? Uh, yeah, you have to wear a lot of different hats. You know, so I'm in like, for example, with us, with the build out we're doing, I'm in architect meetings, you know, with our architects, you know, I am in uh, real estate meetings because we were very blessed. The developer said, hey, if you can come in with X amount, we're going to give you X amount percent of the of the real estate. So like we had to raise the, you know, I raised the funds, saved all my pennies. And now I, I partly own that building, too, you know, and. I never thought that I would buy a restaurant building before I would buy a house. Like, I, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. you know, my little nephew was like, Uncle, yeah, where's your house? Do you have a house? And I'm like, no, because I bought a restaurant, bro. You know? <laughs> and so, so literally, like, that's like one of the things that kind of blows me away. But I had to learn about real estate. You have to learn about zoning laws. You have to learn about, I mean, taxes. I got to learn about K1 tax. I'm like, isn't that like a, like a mixed martial art, like fighting arena, K1, you know, <laughs> like, I'm like, oh, I got K1 taxes or whatever. I'm like, what? Like, are, are, is our tax lawyer just making stuff up? Cause I can do that too. You know, I need a one, you know, steak sauce. Like yeah. I can do the A1 tax. I, I don't know. Like, you know, I can do that too. You know, I think I'd prefer um, the K1, uh, uh, mixed martial yeah. arts over the uh, K1 yeah. taxes. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, you have to learn all these things. I think that people think that I just live this life where it's like chef's table, you know, the show on Netflix, <laughs> where it's this beautiful, slow mowing, dripping stuff. And we're, we're like flower in the air and yeah, bling. It's not like that at all, man. Like, it's not like that at all. Like you were a lot of different. I even think that our chefs under understanding, like, Oh, why isn't you here every day cooking with us? Mm. You know, like, what does that mean to be able to clearly, uh, 
talk to them about the vision, mission, values, and goals of the company and saying, these are the roles that we're all mm-hmm. playing. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and so those are all these things that they, nobody ever teaches you and you just have to find out. And sometimes it's a hard pain, hard lesson. And we're going through some of that right now, you know, as we're evolving, you have to evolve. I mean, both of you guys understand yeah. like business, you have to evolve, you know, that's cute that there's these mom and pa places that are there for like 80 years. That's amazing. And I, I, but I think that between our businesses evolving and mom and pa shops have been there. There's something that we can learn from them because there's something about sticking to their values. Yeah. And like, we're, we want to stick to our values, but, but if it means that we're making our like, um, toasted rice flour in a pestle and mortar or in a Vitamix, it doesn't matter to me, you know, because the truth of the matter is the Vitamix cuts us on labor time. Pestle and mortar, it's like 10 times the labor time. Somebody just, you know, pestle and mortar, you know, the, 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 to, to, to make, uh, mm-hmm. the toasted rice flour. But if you put it in a, in a Vitamix, you do it in 30 seconds. That's great. We want that efficiency. But why are we using that toasted rice flour? What does it go on? What does it mean that when I eat that toasted roast rice flour, it takes me back to my father making his uh, lob, his duck lob for us, that we grew up as kids, that we knew that it, you only ate that in special events, mm. you know, special moments. And as the hands of my father would make that for us, that we run that in our kitchen because it is an homage and an honor to him. That's the tradition. That is the, that, that is the values that we keep. But do we use a pestle and mortar by hand or do we use a Vitamix? Of course we use a Vitamix. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's the progression. That's what I'm talking about. You know, like, you know, I don't lose any of that value of the story of, of where it comes from if I use a pestle, mortar and pestle or if I use a Vitamix. Yeah. I don't lose any of that. Some people say I might, some people, whatever. Great. That's awesome. You can home cook and, and use a mortar and pestle. You can home cook and do that. That's awesome. But we have labor costs to think about. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, or example, it's like when we get Brussels, we go through so much Brussels. Do we get whole Brussels and have our people just cut them in half? Or do we get Brussels already cut? You do, you do the math. We do the math on that. What's it going to cost for one of our person to cut it? And what's it going to for one of our prep cooks to cut it? And what's it going to cost for us to buy it cut? If it's about equal, it's like, okay, well, we can have then our prep person do something else. Like, and we go through about, you know, 150 pounds a week. Mm-hmm. Of course, this is a no-brainer. So you have to be, because at the end of the day, how do I tell the story and the legacy of my mom and dad if I have no restaurant? Right. You can't. Right. That, that is why. Because people will look at us and be like, oh, you guys just, you know, like, you know, uh, bastardizing our food and blah, blah, blah. Like, that's what I've been told. And I'm like, no, we're, we're using efficiency so that we can keep the story moving forward. Yeah, that's so good. I mean, there's quite a bit um, in there. I've got my mind goes to questions about just hiring. And I know uh, from knowing you, knowing your story, like uh, you've done an amazing job of hiring people that have really no experience in the restaurant food industry, giving them an opportunity, mm-hmm. giving them a shot, um, training them up. <clears throat> so you know, I'd love for you to speak to that, but maybe more uh, just in line with what you were just saying there as far as um, getting uh, criticism from people within your community about uh, different efficiencies, different practices that you're putting into place mm-hmm. because you are a business owner, because you do want the restaurant to make it and survive. Um, how do you deal with uh, with that criticism that you kind of get from 
from your community. Um, mm. uh, how does that affect you? Uh, do you just tune it out? I don't know. What's what's that been like? Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, I think I've talked to you about it sometimes, Nick, but it's like, it does affect me. Like right away, you're just as, as somebody from that community, you're like, come on, dude, I'm trying to help everyone, you know, right away you feel that. But I think that the other thing too is like, uh, um, my, my thing that I always do is, uh, mom and dad, they're my, they're my North star. They're my shoreline. They're my lighthouse. So when, when, when some of that stuff gets pretty heavy, I'll talk to them about it. And you know, my mom always says, she has this line. She always says, she goes, you listen to me because I bore you. You know, like you came, you know, she's like, you came from my womb. I born you, I bore you. You're, 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 you're my son and you, and what I say matters. The only thing that should matter is what I say. Mm-hmm. And I remember one time I had, it was like really, you know, it was really stressful. They were like, you know, people had some rumors that are saying, oh yeah, doesn't actually own this thing. You know, so at church, there were people that are saying, oh yeah, I think like it's owned by some white people. And then your, your mom, like, like the year just works for them. He doesn't really own it or mm-hmm. whatever. You know, as a hundred percent owner, like, you know, there's some people at their church. They got they go to a big church and just gossip a church. And remember, he she called me, and I was just like so tired. I think he called me on a day where I was just so beat up, and I was just I think I started crying. I'm like, Mom, like I'm trying my best, like I'm trying my best. And the the line that helped me was she said, "I bore you. You came, you know, you know, that's in Hmong. It means I bore you. I'm the one who gave you birth. I wasn't the I birthed you. I'm the one who gave you life. She says, you listen to me." You listen to what I say only, and she said, don't listen to anybody else because I am your mother. And the only thing that I say, the only thing that matters is what I say. And the moment she said that to me, it clicked. It's like, yeah, it's true. Nobody else has any ability to speak into my life. You know, Mm -hmm. they do. They're the ones who gave me life. They're the ones who, you know, war, my dad who wore in a country fought and did all these things to get us to America. They're the ones who went through all the crappy low end jobs so that they could put food on the table, you know, like all of that. Yeah. And I'm worried about some dude who has a keyboard somewhere writing something that they don't understand from across the country. Mm-hmm. I don't give a turd about that. <laughs> that dude didn't war for me. You know, that dude didn't fight for me. That dude didn't fight for me to get to this country. That dude didn't work hours and hours, you know, so that, you know, so that I, so that I could be where I am. No, mm-hmm. there's no authority. Yeah. Great. I don't even call them reviews. Cause it's not a review. It's just a comment, mm-hmm. you know, or, or people goes, Oh, what, what, what if they critique? I'm like, it's not a critique. They don't even know how to critique that. Right. It's just a comment. It's okay. I, I really don't care, you know? And, and, uh, I, I think one of the best is when you have like, you know, on social media, especially when, you know, when, when a lot of these things come out, right. The best is when you have people go after them. It's so funny. <laughs> you know, when you see other people that are like, Hey, what are you doing with your life or whatever, you know, and stuff like that. I'm like, hey, I didn't send them, I didn't <laughs> send them, but you know, um, but yeah, you, man, I think that, I think that that, that, that comes back to identity though. Right. Nick, like yeah. it comes back to knowing where you come from. Yeah. That's for me. It's a constantly understanding like, where did you come from? Knowing my identity. And that's, and that to me is, that's how I let that stuff go. But at the end of the day, I'm human and sometimes it hurts, you know? And sometimes it makes you feel like, oh man, like what, am I doing this right? But it's like, no, you, you don't have to answer the, am I doing this right? You know, I, I have a, I have a mentor here and uh, he's kind of my counselor also. And he's always says that every mistakes you make in business, think of it as an experiment. You tried it, did not work. You learn from it. Try something else. You tried it. It didn't work. You learn from it. Try something else. It's little experiments. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or you can sit here and be like, oh man, we really screwed this up. I don't know if I, it's okay. 
it's okay. You know, I think mm-hmm. so much too of what you've shared comes back to the why and the why is what fuels mm-hmm. you. And it, it fuels mm-hmm. you as you've shared in your journey. One, when you, mm-hmm. you didn't know what you wanted to do Two, when there's mm-hmm. days you don't want to get out of bed three, mm-hmm. when you, um, it, nothing's working right. Four, when mm-hmm. people are critiquing you and they don't know you, you know, mm-hmm. that why mm-hmm. I think what I hear from you is, is the, the rocket fuel. It's the thing that keeps you going. And, and that has to be there in business because all of those mm-hmm. other challenges and, and roadblocks are there. And so at the end of the day, the why is going to be the thing that fuels you forward. Yeah. You know, I think that one of the things I, you know, just to give you guys a heads up. I mean, obviously my why is my parents and their legacy. And, and I tell people, I, I, it's, it's not me writing my story. It's not my story. It's their story. I'm merely a steward of it. I'm an editor. I get to move the commas around. I get to put a little, you know, like make a little paragraph indentation here and there, but it's their story. And I want to, I'm the curator of it. Mm. And this really came true to, um, when I was, uh, when I got, uh, I was, you know, a finalist with James Beard and my parents, they don't understand any of that, which is like, cool. I don't really, it doesn't really matter to me. Like, I mean, it matters, but it doesn't matter. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's just not their world. And I, um, I think my sister might've called my mom and said something about, Hey, you know, did you, today, like, you know, you got this award, you know, you got this nomination It's like, you know, really big. And so I was, I was driving home and this was a couple of years ago, I was driving home and I was just beat tired. And I remember my mom called me and my mom said, Hey, I heard today that you were given an award. Uh, you know, and I'm like, yeah, mom, it's a nomination, you know, oh, so, you know, I was, but from my understanding was, um, you know, it's, it's a pretty big deal. And I'm like, yeah, you know, thank you, mom. And, and I think she goes, we were talking a little bit, we're catching up and my mom goes, and, and, and this happened a few years ago and it changed my, it really fortified my why, right? She said, I wanted to tell you a story, but I wasn't going to tell you until I was on my deathbed because I felt really ashamed about it. And I'm like, oh, okay. You know, it's like, you're hearing your mom saying this. You're like, wait, what? It's getting you know? real. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's getting real. I'm like, oh boy. And, and my mom said, when I was a little girl, war was so tough that we tried, we, 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 the, the war that was happening, our people were being killed and we escaped. We hid in the jungles for months. And she, at that time, she said, it was so bad that we tried to escape, but we were caught and we were put in a war camp and we were held as prisoners in this war camp for almost a year while we were there people the 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 the, the people that guarded us was so mean and they're so bad they're so mean to us people in that war camp were people in that camp were dying children didn't have food people were, you know and 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 every day there would be soldiers that would come by and say hey give up join the join the communist party you know your 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 husbands are dead your fathers are dead your sons are gone you as a woman, you just need to marry one of the communist soldiers and become us. And they, and they said that they were just given nothing. And she said it was so bad that every morning she said, she goes, honey, every morning I woke up and I prayed to God that he would let me die as an act of mercy, mm-hmm. as a way of saying like to, to, to not live this suffering anymore. And she said, every morning, that's what I would say. God could, could as an act of mercy, could this be the day I die today? Let me die. And she said, one morning I woke up. And I had that prayer and I said, could this be the day? And mom said, this, I wanted to, you know, to, to die that day was so, so bad. And she said that there was a voice inside of her heart and the voice said, I'm not going to let you die because you have children that you don't know yet. Children that you haven't had yet. 
And these children, they're going to change the world. So I'm going to need you to be stronger and I'm going to need you to keep going because one day they're going to, they're going to change the world. And she said today, when, when, when I heard that you were named one of the best chefs in the country, I knew why God let me live to this moment to see his promise, you know, to see this promise fulfilled. And my mom says this to me <laughs> and she's crying and I'm crying and, and I, and it hits me. Why? This is my why. Why is it my why? Because it came at a price. You know, all of this came at a price. She chose to take suffering. She says, I'm not going to get out of this with death, but I choose to suffer. And then almost 40 years later, <laughs> she finally gets to see a glimpse of that. She waited almost 40 years for that. So, so, so I don't want to wake up at seven in the morning because I have a budget meeting that I'm going to that I'm really nervous about that we're over budget. Whatever, dude, get up, you know? So I don't want to have this hard conversational, uh, uh, you know, conversation with one of our, you know, chefs because, you know, it, it's a performance issue. Go do it, man. Go do it. Cause that, that is not life and death situation. You know, that's just, that is the privilege of working. And so, like, when I say nobody's going to go harder than me in this, I mean it. Right. Because once you hear that, you can't unhear it. Right. You know, you guys as, you know, I'm, I'm not sure about you, Nick Z, but, like, you guys as parents, you know, like, it's like, no, like, mom says, like, you're worth it, even before I have ever existed. Mm -hmm. and, and she just believed in that promise that my children are going to change the world one day. Mm -hmm. And that's why I have to keep going for her. So I think of the things that she's been through. I think of the things I, my father's been through and I want to say, Hey, I'm going to make this sacrifice worth it. You know? And that to me, that's my why. And that keeps me focused. Like I said, guys, like this isn't about food. It's about people, yeah. mm -hmm. right? We're not in the food business. We're actually in the people business. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, uh, <clears throat> it's refreshing that it's, it's not all about you. I think that it would be easy mm -hmm. to uh, fall into that with all of the opportunities that you've been given. And I think that that's kind of almost the natural consequence, too, of, uh, of sort of growing as a, a celebrity chef. And so to have that to come back to it, that like, man, it's... <laughs> you laugh, but I mean, it's... Uh, I, 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 I mean, sincerely, I've wanted to ask about that. Like, you've uh, become a recognizable figure within the the twin cities. Even when I was still in Minnesota two, almost three years ago now, we'd be out to coffee and or breakfast and uh, people would, would stop and get a picture with you. And I imagine that's only grown. Um, so to not make it about you, to make it about your, uh, your parents' story, to see yourself as the, the editor, the publisher, I think that's a, a really beautiful, um, thing. And, uh, yeah, and obviously it's a powerful why to to keep coming coming back to that. Um, maybe talk a bit about just what that has been like, though, to uh, to become uh, far more recognized and now having achieved some levels of success. I'm thinking about um, our listeners. I'm also thinking about for Nick and I, like with what we're hoping to accomplish in business and in entrepreneurship. Um, 
when you have success, it can be fairly lonely up at the top, even mm-hmm. though you're recognized by a whole lot of people, right? I mean, you've got uh, a lot of staff who, sure, they, they respect you and look up to you, but they're also depending upon you in the, the business. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a loneliness inherent in that. Um, and then I imagine, too, it can feel like uh, because of your success, there's a lot of people who just want things from you um, or that, that, you know, expecting that, that there's things that you can give them. Um, and, uh, so I'm curious just how you've balanced that and what are the unique challenges that you face now, um, with the level that you've gotten to that are very different from the challenges you had when you were doing your first pop-ups? Yeah, man, I think first and foremost, uh, it's hard to get my friend Nick off of camp on the phone, you know, <laughs> cause you know, I, I try to use my celebrity as to, you know, get through his, <laughs> All his 18 assistants, you know, to just see, hey, man, just want to catch up, you know, he's always, you know, going to some business meeting somewhere. So it's right. So I don't think I'm there yet. If my friend Nick, (laughs) you know, it's not there. You can't just get him on a chit chat, you know, over lunch. I'm kidding. Um, (laughs) I I think the first and foremost thing, and then I kind of is what I love is having the group of friends that I have around me have been the most humbling thing, you know, like guys from college that we're still super tight that we get to do uh, some really fun, fun things together because of the, uh, of the blessings and privileges I have uh, traveling the country with some of these guys to go do different things that we never imagined we would ever get a chance to uh, do. Um, so we were these kids that were in college that were dreamed of, you know, like one day we're going to, you know, do all these fun things in the world. And then, you know, a lot of them got married and then just became dads and you know, worked and they were just like, okay. And then now it's like, you know, um, I get to be like, Hey man, I'm like, you know, in a month here, I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm going down to new Orleans. We're doing a, we're doing a restaurant takeover with a, with a, a restaurant down in new Orleans. And one of my buddies, he's, you know, he works at 3M, but he's, you know, a decent cook. So I'm like, you want to come down to new Orleans with me? And it's like all expense paid. And you know, you get to cook at the kitchen. He's like, yeah, I'm down. Yeah, you know, that's cool. Uh, going out to Bozeman a few weeks ago to do a, a, a podcast and promotion thing for outdoor out there, you know, um, like things like that, where it was just like, I, I feel very blessed and privileged to get to do that. But with people that I love, people that are around me, people that like, I love, like, you know, Nick, even with you, like when anything cool happens or we're, we're getting like renewed for a season, like you're one of the first I call because I just know that it's like, I want to celebrate this with yeah. you, you know? Um, it's, it's, uh, it's usually, you know, one of the things that we do is usually for me in this way is I usually like, there's like knit tight group of friends, family that I tell first, you know, then, you know, then, then we'll release it on social media, yeah. but it's like, nah, like this is like the next, like next project we're doing. It's like super fun. Like, um, you know, like for example, we, uh, I, I, I just got done doing this project with uh, HBO, you know, for a documentary and it's, I never thought, you know, right. that y- HBO would call up and say, Hey, here's this project we want to do for a documentary featuring a API people from around the country that are changing the country, you know, and since, uh, you know, we want to do this with you because we, we, we just want to hear your story because we believe that this is one of the stories that we think that is going to change this country through the lens of API, you know, Mm -hmm. um, people. And so it's like, I, I'm in this doc with like, the likes of Jeremy Lin, you know, and all these other great, you know, big, and you're like, what? Yeah, you know, I'm, cool. I'm like, I'm just a kid from Wisconsin that likes to cook chicken over fire, you know? <laughs> um, but it's very humbling, right? right? Because it's like, who do I share that with? Not the world, 
but like my closest friends who like did come to those pop-ups outside in Eastside St. Paul in a really janky place, right, Nick? Where you're like, I don't know, like, like you're like, Hill, like Hillary, like lock the windows, make sure you keep the kids <laughs> yeah. tight here, you know, kind of, a, you know, like in this little alleyway you guys had to walk through, you know, like that. These are the people who said, I'm gonna, I, I, I'm here because of you. Mm-hmm. Not because of a trend. I'm here because of you. And I have a few of those. We were really tight-knit close. That I love sharing these moments with, uh, you know, uh, when, when, we, when we did the show Iron Chef for Netflix and we were out doing Iron Chef, like, I mean, that was, like, the moment where I get to share with a lot of, like, my family, you know, say, like, hey, this is what we're doing, you know. And then when, when, when the show came out on Netflix, like, everybody was, like, all my family, you know, they were all watching. They're like, wow. And, and even to be able to like put up like old family pictures of them too up there, yeah, you know? Right. So like they saw themselves on there, yeah. you know? Um, I mean, these are the things where that's what helps me, keeps me quote unquote grounded and humble. Cool. Cause like, yeah, at the end of the day, like, I, you know, I, I, I tell my buddies, especially the guys from college that I still keep, I'm really tight with. I'm like, I never want to be somebody on screen or in a newspaper or in a magazine. I don't want, never want to be somebody there that you're like, well, that's, that doesn't sound like him. Mm. You know, I want you to pick up a newspaper and read and, and even the way I talk to the, you know, or even what the things I say, you know, uh, that I want, I want people to be like, yeah, that's him. Yeah. You know, authentic through and through not having a media persona and then who you actually are, but no matter where people meet you, no matter what you're doing, you're consistently the same guy, which I think is a really wonderful thing. I mean, I think you've done an incredible job uh, of that. I, I certainly, anytime that I've seen you on whatever it is that you're doing or listened to or read an interview, I'm like, oh yeah, that's that's my buddy you. That's exactly what I would expect mm-hmm. him to say or to sound like or to do. That's totally a joke. Yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe well, maybe you tone down the, the yeah. joke a, a little bit. I, there, there's a few I mean, there's a few PBS. sauces. Yeah. It is PBS. <laughs> yeah, it is a little PBS. That's you know? right. Absolutely. Family friendly. Yeah. You got kiddos, Nick. Yeah. Family friendly, you know? <laughs> something that, you know, something that your kids can watch, you yeah, know? That's and, right. You know, so for example, one of the things that I love, like Nick, for an example, this is one of those examples where it's just like I love being able to do what I do so that I can bring in friends and family that I love and I care about to be a part of it too. It's like when we did that speaking panel and uh, Lynn Rosetta Casper was on there, right? And she's become a really good friend. Well, Lynn, uh, Lynn uh, Rosetta Casper is this huge, like, you know, uh, she's retired now, but she's like a, you know, an NPR, uh, host for the show called, um, the, the sport, no, the, I don't know. You're, the splendid table, the splendid table. Yeah, yeah. 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 She doesn't see even, and I didn't really know who she was, but I met her. She's from Minnesota world renowned. Actually, yeah. there was this list that was saying, uh, five culinary juggernauts that changed the way that the, the America uh, thinks about food and her name was up there yeah like, like she's like a big deal right so you know your wife hillary is a huge fan of hers right. right so i was i was at this panel and and she was one of the panelists and me her and a few uh, chefs here and and her i just knew her as lynn like she's like my friend and she's just the sweetest old lady and she would come in she'd come to the, our pop-ups and she's just a sweetheart and it's so funny because like i was like i remember i i don't know how hillary found out that i was doing this thing with her or something like that and she, and I like I remember I called you guys and I'm like hey you guys want like the tickets were sold out or something and I'm like hey man like I I bummed up two tickets dude just come on by like don't worry like just you you, yeah. you guys come you guys couldn't find a sitter you couldn't come but she came by herself and I texted her and I'm like hey when you're done come down down here and meet her like it's just it's totally like cool like she's a sweetheart yeah 
And, and it was one of these moments where I was just like, this is why I love doing this. So Hillary got a chance to come down. It was like her, like away from the kids and, you yeah. know, just her, her she night. She still talks about she, what an amazing experience that was. Yeah. She, she came down she was so adorable because, you know, Hillary came up and she's like, do you think she'll be okay if I ask her a picture? I'm like, yeah, dude, she's <laughs> totally cool. So and she goes, no, 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 but don't, 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 don't do it yet. I feel weird. I'm like, okay, just. Be cool, man. Just don't be weird, okay? And 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 this is this is her Taylor Swift moment, right? That's exactly and right. And so and so I looked over to Lynn and I was like, Hey, Lynn, like this is my friend Hillary. She's a huge fan. Like she'd love to meet you. And do you mind? She says, "Paper." She's like, "Oh, honey, come on over." Yeah. You know, and she's just like, and I kind of just left them and let them talk. And she got a picture with her. And and like in that moment, I was just like. This is why I love doing this. This is this is the, the thing that brings me joy. Not because I can hobnob and rub shoulder with quote unquote famous people or whatever. No, I actually that stuff like doesn't really intrigue me. What intrigues me is and what I love is having my friends and family being able to be a part of it too. Cause all of this, you're right, Nick. I can we can go out there and get all these awards and have like, you know, like get nominated for all these things. But at the end of the day, if I'm just sitting in my hotel room alone, I'm still alone. You know, and, and I, to me, that doesn't mean anything. You can have the best meal, the best food in the world, but it still doesn't taste as good as eating with somebody else if you're eating alone, yeah. you know, and I truly believe that. And it's about community. We are creatures that were created for community. And again, like I said, in the, in the, in the business I'm in, it's not about food. It's actually about people. Well, and, and, and I love and how that comes. That's so circle. good as, as you share it. It comes back to what Nick and I continue to try to do here, which is that abundance mindset first, that scarcity mindset. And I think so many times when people reach some level of success and fame, they do close off. They do put the walls up because mm-hmm. they don't know who they can trust. They think people are, are going to try to get after them or try to take what they've worked so hard for. But your heart's open and the doors are open and you want to share it with your people because you realize that it's better to go at it together. And and at the end of the day, there's that true abundance mindset of it's better to give than receive. You know, it's this thing that my father used to say to us, you know, uh, you know, dads have a way of doing things so that it's like trying to teach you a lesson. Uh, And uh, when we were kids, we would always be like, you know, like if it wasn't split up fairly, we'd be like, it's not fair. It's not fair. You know, especially like when it came to like food and stuff, you know, it'd be like, well, it's not fair. Everyone got a piece, but then there's an extra piece. Who gets it? It's not fair. And my dad would always say to us, when you say this is mine, you have less. But when you say this is ours, you have more, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just that idea like this is ours. Mm-hmm. Like, like the, like the friends and family that have backed me up that had in, in low times and let me sleep on their couch and supported me. It's yours. All of this, the access to the things that, you know, that I'm, I'm, I'm privileged and pervy to. It's all yours too. It's never been mine. It's yours. You are part of this. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I, I get a chance to speak at high schools to kids. And, and the thing I tell them is this, is like in your life, you're going to have people around you. You're going to have either family members or friends or teachers or coaches. And they're going to, they're going to, they're going to say some amazing things about you. And they're going to tell you that you can do it and you're worth it. 
And, and I want you to take that little piece that they give you and it's like equity, right? And it's like a little piggy bank in your heart and you're going to keep putting it in there, keep filling up that piggy bank, you know, keep filling up that piggy bank of what coach, whatever said to you, or, you know, the teacher here said to you, or how your parents treat, you're going to take all these little nuggets into your piggy banks, right? All your little nuggets, you're going to put it in there. And one day there's going to come a point in your life where you got to break that piggy bank, take all of that equity, all that money, and you got to go bet it on yourself. Hmm. So you have to ask yourself, was it truly you at the time? No, it was all these people that gave a piece of themselves to you. Mm. And then you get to take all of that money, that equity, whatever you want to call it. And you got to go bet it on yourself. And for us, when it came to the restaurant, that's what I did. Mm-hmm. I, I, I had teachers, I had coaches, I had mentors who, who, who taught me these things. And I kept these nuggets. And when it was time, we broke the piggy bank and I said, I got to go bet it on myself, you know? Even when, you know, being very honest, even when the financial people were like, this, this doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, but I got to go better on myself. You know, I think like, for example, like this whole TV thing, it was like the TV media stuff. It's like, nobody cared about some kid from Wisconsin and whatever. No, but they're like, we're going to give you a little platform and see what you can do. And it was through those little platforms where it's like, yep. Now it helped build to the next one, to the next one where, where when I started, I could barely look at a camera and hold a knife. At the same time, but it was these little, these producers that's like, no, you got it. Yeah, we got you. We will take care of this. Mm -hmm. And I I got to practice and I get to get, you know, I get my media training, you know, and and after I got media training, it's like, okay, here's a bigger show that wants to try to do this. Okay. Awesome. Proof of concept. Great. That sounds great. We got greenlit. Okay. Awesome. Next season, you know, we're going to do this. We're going to get built better in this. We're going to build better than this, you know? And, And again, I'm just one of those people that I love learning things I don't know. Yeah. So hosting TV, like never don't know how to do that, but it was, it was a learning curve. You had to learn real fast, start asking questions around our showrunner, our producers, our directors. I was like, okay, how do you want me to state this? Okay. If they do this, how do you want me to lead this story? You know? And man, it was, became this thing was like, okay, great. Um, I got chances for ability. I have this, you know, being asked to go around the country and speak, you know, and doing these, uh, doing these speaking gigs. At first, I was just in shambles. I'm like, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know how to do this. But eventually, knowing what I want to say, developing the story, putting it out, you know, yeah. and then using that as a platform, you know. Um, I think one of my one of the ones I loved the most was I was in a uh, I was at General Mills, you know, speaking at General Mills. And after I got done, they presented me this Wheaties box with my picture on it. And I'm like, I made it. Yes. Wheaties box? I made it. You know? I'm like, I'm on, I'm like the Simone Biles, Michael Jordan. Yeah. You know? Who needs like, a James I, Beard when you got your own freaking yeah. Wheaties box? Yeah, a Wheaties box. Yeah, yeah. It's like That's Wheaties awesome. box and then, uh, you know, doing a deal with Quick Trip. You know, I'm like, yes, we're good. We're good. Yeah, bro. To come back to just what you've shared with the like high school students um, that you've talked with, Mm -hmm. I think that is so good. Uh, The idea we we hear that, like you know, the social media, the Instagram reels, thirty second. You know, you got to bet on yourself and. There's a way mm-hmm. in which that can sound uh, a bit arrogant of like, oh, I got to, you know, mm-hmm. I got to bet on me. But the way that you frame that of like, no, that the equity is not 
yours. You're betting on the investments yep. that everybody else mm-hmm. has put into you. So I think about your story. It's certainly the, the biggest equity there being uh, your mom and the just the belief that she had of that, like, mm-hmm. I'm on this earth because the Lord has given me a vision for I'm going to be a, a mom to kids that, that change the world. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a ton there with your dad, but then everybody else who affirmed you, affirmed your giftedness for cooking, affirmed this kind of calling upon you. And then when you have all that in mind, then it's almost like a, to be faithful with all of the investments yep. that everybody yep. has put into me, I have to take this bet. Like I am doing a, a disservice. I'm dishonoring all of the investments yeah. that everybody else has put in me by not uh, mm-hmm. taking this step out. And I really want yeah. for our audience to hear that as well, um, because it's so huge of just don't don't squander the investment that everybody else has, mm-hmm. has put into you. Don't let mm-hmm. the fear and the challenges, it, like there's going to be hard times, but don't let those things dissuade you from, you mm-hmm. know, doing what you were, uh, have been prepared to do, um, mm-hmm. yeah. what everybody has poured into you to, to ultimately become. So I love what you're doing obviously i've been i've been mm-hmm. cheering along uh for you and uh, uh union monk kitchen and vinai and uh, all of the the concepts uh from from day 1 i can't wait to see where where things um continue to go mm-hmm. i'm so glad that you did break open that picky bank i'm so glad that you're seeing the uh the bet pay off um and this has just been, man, such a, a rich uh, conversation. Side note, um, you should publish a book with all of the, the little proverbial sayings from your mom and dad. <laughs> I, I would oh, I would pay big money for yeah. that book, man. They got so many yeah. awesome like little one-liners and, uh, and, yeah. and proverbs. That, that's just fantastic. But uh, for our listeners, man, what are some of the best ways for people to connect with you, to follow along? Where would you want to point yeah. them? Yeah, I mean, our restaurant, like we just, we do a lot of Instagram because it's free. Uh, You're here. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and then it's just a lot of, you know, through that stuff. Uh, uh, so, like, if they want to follow, it's uh, at Union Monk Kitchen on Instagram. Uh, you know, like all, the same thing on Facebook. Uh, I don't know. Every time I say Facebook, I just feel like I'm a, I'm like a, you know, I'm a boomer or something. <laughs> Go on Facebook. Um, and then uh, at, Yevang70 is my own personal handle. Um, and then um, at Hill Tribe MN is also kind of like our overarching uh, little uh, uh, kind of company that's kind of everything's kind of under, you know. Yep. Uh, yeah. And then, yeah, just follow there. And a lot of our updates are through there. So, yeah, yeah. Solid. Well, definitely include uh, links to your profiles in the show notes. I'll also include links to. Um, the restaurant, as well as just some of the, uh, to your podcast, which we didn't even talk about, um, but also to oh. uh, different shows and things that, that you've been on so that people can uh, can hear more of yours and your family's story and how you're using food as a vehicle to connect people. Uh, I think it's a, an amazing thing, but bro, so good. So grateful for you. Dude, thank you, man. This is uh, super fun. It's a nice relief to have in the middle hustle bustle of setting up POS systems and 
trying to get a TV screen put up at the restaurant. <laughs> you, you really did kill my romantic notion of uh, of a chef's life being just like chef's table. It, that's that shows. Oh yeah, yeah. It's like classical music around all the time, <laughs> and like every time we pour something out, it just like it, it, like it does like that slow mo drizzle, like yeah, yeah. you know, like you know, hundred twenty yeah, frames yeah. Absolutely. per second, slow it yeah, down, yeah, yeah, whatever, yeah, ten eighty p, whatever, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. If if they only knew, <laughs> if they only knew, you know, and, and even like I'm like I tell people like I'm pretty real about it, you know, like but it, there's always these you get to see the full picture where it's like, Oh, like if I don't answer these emails and this doesn't move and this doesn't move and this doesn't move. And again, it's like cooking is just a very small you know, frame of it. And you know, that's why I like, it's, it's funny because I love hanging out with business owners and we talk and from whatever discipline of what we're doing and we all have like the same issues we go through. We're like, Oh, you too. What? Oh yeah. Like packaging is shipping. And I'm like, Oh no, I totally get what you're saying. And you know, uh, that's awesome. Well, listeners, thanks so much. If uh, you haven't already, uh, I, I think this episode is worth a, a like, a subscribe, whatever your platform allows you to do to, to show that you enjoyed it. So please do that. Um, check out the social links, connect with you, and then also connect with us at AbundantJourney.net. Sign up for the newsletter there, and uh, we'll be back very, very soon. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>